0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: So the other night, I was flipping through the television. We were watching some stuff, and and, um, uh, one of those free television, you know, those like cozy or one of those ones that you get for free, uh, Rocky was coming out, okay? So, so they had like a Rocky marathon, and so we were watching Rocky Four. You know which one Rocky Four is all about, right? Rocky Four is like the Russian, and we were like all proud, and, and, and so Nathan and I are watching this. This is getting almost to where she fell asleep, so about 8.39. So anyway, so, uh, she, we were watching this, right, and so it finished, and he wins in Rocky, so I'm like, okay, and, and she goes, did you like that movie? And I said, yeah, I always liked the Rocky movies, but I didn't like Rocky, Five, right? Rocky five, he doesn't really get in the ring and, and, and so forth. Well, guess what comes on next? Rocky five. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch. Well, I ended up watching it anyway. Okay. Rocky five. You know, he loses everything. Hope you, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. Anyways. Um, so here's the point, right? Do you guys remember in Rocky five? There was the promoter, right? He was the promoter that wanted to get Rocky in the ring. And he was just this, this kind of sleaze bag kind of promoter. And then he goes after Tommy Gunn and the whole nine yards. And, and I mean, he's just awful. You just got to, you know, and, and one of the things that caught my eye all the time, right? It's, it's toward the end, right? Rocky goes outside, right? And he's fighting on a street fight. And that's how they're trying to make it. Boom. He's trying to beat him up. And then he beats Tommy Gunn down. Right. And he goes over and the, the promoter says, if you touch me, I'll sue. And Rocky turns around and then he smiles. He goes, if you, if you hit me, I'll sue. And so Rocky, in his way, he says, turns around and boom, hits him. Right. And he says, sue me for what? Right. He doesn't have anything. And it kind of goes on. And I started to think about that. Right. That was, that was his mantra. If you hit me, I'll sue. And that really was the culture even back then that no matter what happens, if I'm offended, if you hit me, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you for defamation of character. I'm going to sue you for whatever. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue you. And I thought about this in light of what Paul is going to tell us today. I thought, wow, a lot hasn't changed. And I thought about it. And then I was thinking about this as I I pondered the the message. I was thinking about a fiddler on the roof. Anybody see a fiddler on the roof? Some of us have seen A Fiddler on the Roof, but that's a really cool story. And there's a scene in the movie where the main, chari- the main character, Tavier, is talking to the villagers, right? And one of the villagers tells him, and he's quoting from the Old Testament, he says, Well, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. How many of you ever heard that? Right? To where Tavia says, Very good. That way the whole world will be blind and toothless. Guys, listen. When it comes to taking someone to court, many people actually believe in that saying. Well, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. You do this to me, I'm going to get you, I'm going to do this so far. Now, the question is, what are... Christians supposed to do now I need to set the stage just a little bit because I need to tell you guys remember we're supposed to be different we're called out something has happened something has changed now here's where the devil has gotten so so sneaky he he wants to label us as Christians without a transformation you see, when we become born again, the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in and he transforms every bit of our heart, our mind, our eyes, our thinking, the way we are. And 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 Paul actually says, you're the called out ones. You are different. So what are we as believers, as Christians? Now, we've got to be careful with that term. And that's why a lot of people have adopted devoted followers of Jesus Christ, because there's a lot of people who claim Christianity who you know are not Christians, they don't follow his word they don't believe in him they don't really obey his word but you know it's the politically correct thing to do I am a Christian yes so we're fully devoted followers so what are we supposed to do when it comes to courts and it comes to who we are right what are we supposed to do well here's some questions that I want you to ponder as we go through our text today you go what are they number one can a Christian sue another Christian question mark can a Christian sue another Christian Wow, let's ponder that for a minute. Number two, can a believer take a non-believer to court? You go, Ben, this is, ah, is this practical? Well, here's the thing, right? When it comes to, when it comes to Rocky Five or it comes to Fiddler on the Roof, you're going, Ben, what do these stories have to do with our study today? Well, it really does set the tone for what we're going to talk about. How so? Paul, listen to me, is writing to the church at Corinth, which apparently had its own share of lawyers. And he writes, how dare you, any of you who have a case against a brother, go to court before the world and not settle it in church? That's what he's going to write. You go, well, why would he say that? Well, apparently, some of the Corinthian Christians had indeed been taking their brothers to court. And God was not happy about it. You go, whoa, 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 Ben. What do you mean God's not happy about it? Well, let me give you the main reason that our God was not happy. Because according to verse 8, he says, it is wrong. It is wrong. A Christian was not to do that. You go, well, what what, what other reason? Number two, listen, and you need to jot this down, okay? Because this needs to be the central theme of the message. You go, what's that? Because they did it to defraud people. To make money, to cash out. You guys tracking with me? This is exactly why they did that. Now, the one thing we must do before we jump into our study is remind you of a couple of things. Number one, okay, in our day, okay, this is not a message against lawyers. Well, all lawyers are bad and all lawyers are ambulance chasers and all lawyers are the, it has nothing to do with that. You understand. That Paul is going to write because a believer was suing another believer, but to defraud him. Not just, I mean, and, and, and it was just like, oh, man, you listen, I can make some extra cash. Yeah, sue the brother, man. Right? Sue the brother. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Paul says, no, no, that's wrong. And then the second thing, remember, is Paul is writing a list of things that I just want to go through real quick that he's dealing with at Corinth. Okay. These are the things. These are some problems that are brewing. And of course, you guys know this. He's dealing with five major problems. Five of them. The first one we all, we tackled chapters one through four. We jumped in and you said, what was that problem? If you remember, there were divisions in the body of Christ. A group of people were going, I'm of Apollos. Another group was saying, I'm of Cephas. Another, I'm of Paul. And they were dividing each other. See, it wasn't that they had their favorite teachers, but they were causing divisions because they were posing teachers against teachers. We bring that into the 21st century, and what is it? Church against church. Well, I'm this denomination. Well, I'm this denomination. Well, I can't hang out with you. Well, I can't talk to you about Jesus because... And and it caused division in the body of Christ. And Paul's like, no, no. And we talked all about that, right? Their main problem... Now, listen to me, because it just seems like that's our main problem in the body of Christ today. See, they had a misunderstanding of the gospel. They didn't, the very message that saved them, they had a misunderstanding. They just, it just didn't compute. Wait a minute. You see, they were trying to grow spiritually by going through the world instead of going through the Holy Spirit. A misunderstanding, okay? And then we see, well, what else? Well, in chapters 5 through 7, guys, Paul is going to address some problems related to sex. He's going to, we're going to talk about singleness. We're going to talk about marriage, and I mean, these are all, he's going to address all of these things. Now, here's the here, here, here's the thing, right? Today we're going to talk about suing, but think about this. There are people in this room today that are single. There are people in this room that are married, so he's going to address everyone. Oh, I'm not going to be here for chapter 7. I don't want to know what he says about, this is God's word. And then we see in chapters 8 through 10, guys, the issue is about food. But not just about, hey, do you like food? But it's like, are are you eating food sacrificed to idol? Are you causing a brother to stumble? Are you causing a young one to stumble? And then in chapters 11 through 14, there there were some problems with their weekly gathering and and communion. And then the last thing that Paul addresses is in chapter 15, the issue of the resurrection of Jesus. That's important because the Bible tells you and I that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And we have resurrection power. The problem is that we take that power and go, oh, I've got power. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. No. Resurrection power, guys, prepares us every day to live a life so pleasing to God. Resurrection power, guys, it just brings comfort in a world that's in chaos. Resurrection power brings joy when things in life aren't going your way. Resurrection power means you don't have to worry if people like you because the God that created you loves you, and he's walking with you, and he validates you. Resurrection power means that he's well-pleased with you. That's what it means. And we have that. And so that's key. And then last week, if you recall, last week, Paul addressed sexual immorality in the church. And if you recall, there was a brother in the church that was having sex with his stepmom. We don't have all the details now was the dad in divorced I mean was it was it you know I mean we don't know but we know that the leadership of the church was kind of going it right and and they were they were pouring out grace on a sin Oh, we're under grace, bro. And then you could imagine the Sunday morning service where the brother comes in. And he's like, yeah, how's it going? And the leadership's like, all right. Well, you won't know what I did last night. Man, I messed up. I slept with my stepmom. We had, oh, oh, don't worry about it. You're under grace, bro. Come on in. Paul says, no, that's, that's, that's. And we talked all about sexual Immorality. Guys, think about that. The leadership was proud of the grace they were showing. And Paul says, no, gentlemen, you should be mourning this type of sin. And the word mourning, guys, is when somebody very close to us dies and we're like, oh, and it hurts. And We should be mourning this type of sin. And he says, please, 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 if the man doesn't want to stop, go to him and say, this is wrong. You need to stop. This is this is wrong. If he doesn't want to stop, guys, you got to excommunicate him out of the church. Not because you hate him, but because you love him. Because you love him. And you want to restore him back to life. Does everybody understand that? Sometimes we have to do tough love in order so God can do what he needs to do. And I am the first to say, man, let's love people. Let's bring it. Let's love them. But if there's cancer in their life. I mean, here's, here's what Paul says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, he says, then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, but he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. That is so key. That is so key. Now, what you would do is you'd get a group of people stand up and go, boy, that's not a loving church. That is not loving. We're all sinners. Judge not, lest you be judged. But the point is, as Paul is saying, no, you don't understand. If you come and you just accept it and you accept everything without walking with the brother, without discipling a brother, and you guys understand, because what happens in our life is as we grow in the word of God, there are things where you go, oh, I didn't know that was a sin. And that's called conviction. And you go, oh, I need to change. I, I need to stop that. I need to stop that. Okay, okay. But here's a brother that's going, yeah got this. Paul says, no, it's his soul is so much more important. His soul. So we learned last week, guys, if you weren't here, jot this down. We learned as believers, we must mourn the sin. And and really in our own lives, don't you think? We must mourn the sin. I get it, church. We're under grace. Praise the Lord. Can I get an Amen. Thank you for grace and mercy, and I fall upon grace, God's grace and mercy, but, I mean, there needs to be some mourning that my sin separates me from a loving God. And I'll tell you what bugs me all the more. There's times when I sin that it's a trespass, okay? I don't know that I'm sinning. I don't realize this is a sin. Oh, it is a sin. I'm sorry. But what really bugs me is something called iniquity where I know it's a sin, and I look around, and I want to do it anyway. I should be mourning that. The second thing is I need to judge the sin. We need to judge the sin. Lord, this is sin. This is wrong. This is not right. And then the third thing, guys, is that he says we need to purge our sin. We need to purge our sin. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Anybody tracking with me? Here's why. Let me just, let me, let me relate it this way. A few years back, Nathalie and I, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Okay. If you don't know what that is, there was a lump in the breast. Now, here's what the doctor said. The doctor said, hey, listen, we're going to do a biopsy. So they stuck a needle. They did a biopsy, and they created a pathway to where she had an internal and an external tumor. She create They created a pathway. So she had a tumor the size of a softball up against her chest wall, and she had an external tumor. It's cancer. She had a choice at that point to go, I'm not going to deal with it. That's fine. No big deal. It's just a little tumor. You know what the doctor said? We need to eradicate that. We need to get rid of that. Okay? And their method of getting rid of it was chemo, and it was horrible. It was yucky. She didn't feel good. Then they did radiation. But you understand. And then and then when she felt good enough, they took a knife, cut out the, the tumor. They got it out. It wasn't fun. But it's the same with sin. If we don't eradicate the sin out of our lives, then it'll grow and it'll want to kill us. And it wasn't fun. And guys, eradicating sin from our lives is not fun. But if we if if we go, listen, listen, and Nathalie and an could have said, Ben, this is my business, it's not your business, leave me alone. No, sweetie, you understand. Here's why. Listen, because as Nathalie's cancer, guys, affected everyone within striking distance, so does sin. So does sin. And that's why it's so important we eradicate it. Get it out. What do I need to do? What do I need to do, man? If your left hand causes you to sin, what does Jesus say? Cut it off. Not literally, obviously. Get rid of the things that are causing you eradicate that thing and that's what he says he says purge the sin purge the sin well today paul addresses another issue within the church you go what is it lawsuits lawsuits listen the christians in the church were suing other christians by fraud for gain now let's unpack this and ask ourselves what is the purpose of the church what is the purpose of the church? Why does the church exist? Well, Jesus said our purpose was to make disciples of all nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, the church's purpose is to go out and reach unbelievers. Can I get an amen? That's really the purpose, okay? So you go, well, what happens? Why do I come in on this early morning? Listen, you come in here, guys, to be equipped so that God can use you as you leave okay because you're taking the church to your job tomorrow you're taking the church to people you're going to meet you don't know what this week holds but god says let's get you equipped in here how are we going to do this let's start off with worship let's get our hearts and we're worshiping the lord and then we learn what the bible says and then we take what the bible says we meditate on it and then god wants to use it during the week that's what he's saying. Okay, that's what the church is for, unbelievers. And Jesus said our best tool for this purpose was by this all people will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. John 13:35. Here's the rub. The Corinthian church was they they were not loving people or winning them to the kingdom but they were suing each other. And then they were letting the world, unbelievers, have a front row seat. That's what they were doing. And Paul addresses and admonishes them in verses one through eight. Let's take a look, okay? Picking it up in verse one, first Corinthians chapter six, verse one says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Now listen to what Paul, listen carefully to what Paul's saying. He's actually saying, how dare any of you, how dare you? Having a matter, everybody see that in your Bible, matter? Matter in the Greek is actually a legal matter, a case, or a cause for trial. That's what it means. So he says, how how dare any of you, having a legal matter or a case, or even a cause for a trial, he says, how dare you go to law, court, the law court? He says before the unrighteous, okay? And what he's talking about, he's saying those who are not saved. Understand that, okay? Something amazing happens when we get saved. Jesus called it born again. But what happens is that God's holy, when you get born again, when you get saved, you got God's Holy Spirit living inside you. That's what happens. When you're not saved, you don't have God's Holy Spirit living inside you, so you're going to react based upon your conscience and the world. And he says, okay, everybody with me? He's saying, check it out, man, check it out, listen. He says, how dare you sue a brother and take him to court before the world and not settle it like Christians should? How dare you? Now, here's what Paul is dealing with. The Corinthian church had a misunderstanding, there it is again, Of what the church really meant. What, what, what they really, what they, what, what it, what, they misunderstood who they were and what they really represented. Their rank, if you understood. They just didn't understand what it was to be part of a church. Not, not a local body, but the worldwide church. They didn't understand that. And the problem is, they're suing. They're suing each other for various reasons to get ahead in life. Very fraudulent to make money by defrauding somebody else. For example, let's just bring it to today's world. Let's say that you leave church and you happen to get in an accident that wasn't your fault. Okay, You're sitting there minding your own business. Somebody is texting and driving or whatever it might be, and they rear-end you and you get hurt. You guys know that there will have lawyers calling you to try to sue and they'll sue anyone and everyone more money that's actually that that's that's more than what's needed for repairs or even hospital. Let's just say that you're not hurt. Okay? It was a little fender bender, you got enough it's damaged, you know. Uh it's going to take about 2000 to fix your car, you didn't go to the hospital. But let's say that you had a lawyer going, "Hey man, I can get you twenty-five grand. I can get you 20. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, pain and suffering. Listen, you're right. I used to look straight. Now it looks crooked. I don't know what's going on. with You know. I mean, whatever. It, it's by fraudulent. And let's just say it. Let's just say it was. A, it was a, the, it, it, just a. One of those things where the, where it wasn't. It, it was just an accident. It, it was a sister in the Lord, and there you are. You see what happens is that they're going after for people for even more money. And you guys see that, right? You see that in the commercial. Yeah, I got I got in an accident and my lawyer got me 250,000. That's a lot of money. I mean, you can be set. I mean, you can be super set. What am I not saying? Here, here's what I'm saying. Listen, it's not that all lawyers. We have lawyers, amen. I'm talking about those that are going out and going, now, now here, l- listen, can you imagine? Can you imagine if you had just a little wreck, right? And your car costed, it costed five grand to fix. I mean, it's not, it's not a little, but you know how it is. And you didn't need to go to the hospital or anything. And you said, listen, I just want to, I just want to settle for just enough. I just want my car fixed. And you wouldn't have any lawyer looking after your case. They would go, Oh, no, no, no. No, not, not, not anymore. Not anymore. You see, because they, they couldn't make serious money. And that's what's going on in Corinth. They're going, hey, hey, did you see? Did you see? Man, yeah, Kevin offended me. Yeah, he, he, he put his property line just a little on mine and I've told him about it, but now I'm going to sue him. And not only am I going to sue him to get my property line back, I'm going to take half of his. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go to court. And Paul's going, guys, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now this is foreign. Why? Check this out. Culturally, okay, the Jewish people guys didn't ordinarily go to court in the world to settle their accounts. The Jewish people said, No, 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 no. They would never take their problems to a pagan world. Now listen to this. They would often go to the priest in the synagogue and for them, right, to go to court, for them to go to court was to blaspheme God. He was not enough to settle the issue. So Paul says, Paul being Jewish and speaking to Christians, he said, all the more we should not go to court in a pagan world. Now, see, this is one of those teachings where it's like, what? Ben, you don't understand our culture. No, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. I understand that. But in, but in the context, remember, I don't want to sue a brother fraudulently. I don't want to see a brother at all. And Paul's going to tell us it's wrong. It's wrong. We're supposed to let God handle our affairs. We're supposed, well, let's, let's be real in church today, okay? We struggle with that. We struggle with that. Let me throw this at you. I was thinking about it this morning as I was as I was praying. I was thinking about it. You know how we're real protective of our stuff, right? And and here's the thing, you know, we often say, Well somebody broke into my house and stole my TV, if they would have just asked me, I would have given it to them. We say that, right? If you need it that bad. But would we really? Because I was thinking, could you imagine a guy come to to your door and go, "Hey, listen, I'm about. I was going to break into your house, but um, I have no job. Uh, we really need a TV, and I was just wondering if you give it to me. Well, why don't you work? Oh, I don't feel like it. Get out of here." So, so you're going, well, what, what, you know, would we really go, "Hey, take my TV? If you really need it that bad, take it." We wouldn't do that, would we? I mean, it's just. It's just I was thinking, I was like, oh, okay. So what? what 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 do we use what do we what, what do we use we need to trust the lord and that's hard that's hard because we've all gone through stuff where we felt like we've lost and we're waiting for god to recompense but see, that's exactly what we say. And he's saying, listen, don't, don't be suing your brother fraudulently. Trust the Lord. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. Now, what's our question? What's our question? What if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? Everybody keep that in mind. What if, what if, what if he doesn't? What if I lose? What if I, I lose $500, $600? He's going to give us the reason. Look at verse two. He's giving us the reason why. He says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world would be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge even the smallest matter? Do you see what Paul's saying? Here's why. He said, one day, guys, as believers, listen to me, we're going to judge the world. Those are believers. Those who are believers will one day, guys, we're going to sit in judgment of the world. You see, here's here's the common fallacy. The common fallacy is you think, well, when I die, I'm going to just be up on a cloud. I'm going to be so bored in heaven. God has we're going to be judging the believer. we to be judging the world. You're going to have a job. God's looking at your faithfulness because he's already putting, OK, what am I going to do? What do what are, you, what are we going to do? And he says, don't you realize that you're going to be judging the world? you're going to be judging the world because of our union with Christ guys because of that we're associated with him in the judgment of the millennium and the world will be judged by you saints he says because that's going to happen are you uh, are are you able to or unworthy to judge even the smallest matters He says, why are you going to a pagan court? Why are you going to a pagan, uh, to a judge? You guys should, you're going to be judging the world. You should be able to handle this matter yourself. Oh, wait a minute, pastor. Then that becomes a lordship issue, isn't it? Is Jesus Lord of my life? Yes. Is he Lord of your life? Then we should be able to handle it. Why? Because he says, one day I'm going to be judging angels. I'm going to be judging the world. What? What? Yeah, check it out, right? Check it out. I mean, think about it. Look at, look, look at verse three. He says, do you not know that we shall judge angels? Did you guys realize that? You're going to be judging angels. He says, how much more the things pertain to this life? Now, here's the question. Which angels? Because we have heavenly angels and we have fallen angels. Which one are we judging? My belief is it's both. I think we're going to be judging both, but I definitely know we're going to be judging, we're going to be judging, you know, the fallen angels. Second Peter chapter two, verse four says this, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So we're going to judge them. Second Peter 2 9 says, for the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Jude chapter 6, or verse, chapter 1, verse 6, only one chapter, says, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, those are the fallen angels, left their own abode. He has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for what, Pastor? For the judgment of the great day. We're not only going to judge the world, but we're going to judge the angels. Do you realize that? As a believer, you're going to be in the judgment. Thank God we're not being judged because we're under grace. Amen? But, but think about it. And Paul says, guys, why are you suing each other when, why are you defrauding each other? You're going to be judging the world. You're going to be judging angels. Why are you taking it to the court? Why are you taking it to the pagan world? And again, Paul presents his point to these brothers who are going to worldly courts to see each other. Look at verse 4. He says, If then you have judgments concerning uh, these pertaining to this life, Do you appoint those who are at least esteemed by the church to judge? Everybody see that in your Bible? I want to show you something very important. If you look at it, there's a question mark behind that. Do you see that? And it's almost like he's asking a question. But when you look at this, the first thing we need to pull out of this text is he says, he says, if then you have judgments, everybody see judgments. That's another word for matters. It means law courts. If if you have an issue to take someone to court, he says, He says, pertaining to things in this life, let me ask you a question, right? Now, in the original Greek, it could be a question, but it could also be a statement. It's really hard. As Paul's, it's really hard to kind of go through. Now, the the people who translated the Bible put a question mark, but notice what he's saying. Okay, what's really important, he says, now, here it is. He says, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge but if it's a statement he's saying the very least in the church because he's born again and has the spirit of the living god in him is certainly more qualified to judge better than those in the heathen court you see what you see what paul's getting to he's going listen you guys would look around the church and you go hey Who was the last one who got saved? Oh, right here? Okay. Let's just say Adam, for the sake of our study, was was the least esteemed in the church. What Paul is saying is you go, look at Adam. Adam is far better equipped because he has the Holy Spirit inside him because he's born again to judge a matter within the church than for you to go outside in the world in the heathen courts. That's what Paul is saying. He's just encouraging them. He's saying, guys, what are you doing? What are you doing? And look at verse 5. He says, I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between the brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? What is Paul saying? You ready? You can write next to your Bible. He says, shame on you. Shame on you. Isn't there anyone smart enough, filled with God's Holy Spirit, who can judge between brothers? You see, back in Corinth, guys, and what we struggle with today in our culture is the lordship issue. It's a lordship issue. It says, guys, Listen. Brother against brother, before unbelievers, it's a shame. You guys should have the Spirit of God. Now, now we as believers, what should we have? We should have the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God? We should be walking in love towards each other. We should be walking, guys, in grace towards each other. The one thing that we're really, really, in a, we just forget where we came from we forget what a mess up we were. And when other people mess up, we're very quick to judge that. And, and, and I understand helping a brother and a sister up, guys. I get it. Let's, let's do that. But we need to walk in love and we need to walk in grace because these are the attributes of God. But we also need to walk in forgiveness. Listen to me. People are going to hurt you. People are going to break your heart. People are going to do stuff. People might even try to sue you and our job is to be different to walk in love and grace and forgiveness and not only that but guys in in compassion people are going to they're going to wreck you what a difference it would be and i get it guys i'm flesh i understand but what a difference it would be is if we we got in a little fender bender and and i say that for the sake of our study, but let's say we got in a wreck and, it, and we're able to get out of the car that we would come out with compassion and grace. Is everybody okay? I've seen people get out of the car and they're so angry and they're yelling and they're cussing and they're, I mean, they're bounding the window and the God, they're, they're I mean, and, 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 wow, and I get it. The adrenaline's going. I mean, I understand that, but, but I want the spirit of God and, and, and he says this, listen, listen, we have the spirit in us. We should walk in love and grace and forgiveness and not so quick to sue for possible gain. Possible gain. Look at verse seven. Now therefore, it's already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept the wrong? Question mark. Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? What? You catch what Paul's saying here? Verse seven is super powerful, and it's not preached in many churches. You go, why? Here's what he's saying. Paul is going to ask you a question, but notice what he says. He says, listen, listen, look at that word failure. He says, now therefore, it's already utter failure. What does he mean? He says, defeat. Pastor, what are you saying? He's saying, listen. He says, once you take him to heathen court, once you take him, once you sue him in heathen court, he says, you've already lost. What he says the problem is guys is is the court cases are an ugly blot against the church wouldn't it be wouldn't it be far better just to take it and not let yourself and and let yourselves be wronged and forget about it uh uh-uh. uh Uh Uh-uh, no, 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 this is our culture. No, he wronged me, he's going to pay. She wronged me, she's going to pay. And I'm going, wow, Lord, this is your word. And Paul is telling us, listen, if you're going to take your brother to court and you're going to defraud him, he says, you've already lost. Unbelievers are going to get a front row view of what Christians are supposed to not behave like. Your brother's. Your family. Well, in our culture, family sues family, don't they? Unbelievable. Dad has an extreme amount of wealth. Dad and mom die. I've seen brothers sue brothers for stuff. Family. Blood. I'm gonna get what's mine. Paul says, no, no, no. Listen, how about this? How about this? Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourself be cheated? Because I want to get mine. But see, God has your back. God has your back, doesn't he? The God of the universe who created everything and has a cattle on a thousand hills and has so much money and everything. Lord, listen, I'm not gonna d de- I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defraud your name. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Well, Ben, what does that mean? That I can't ever sue anybody? I can't ever go to court? That's not what he's saying. There are times when we have to sue, but we don't do it by defraud, do we? We don't do it to make a big gain, but we should get what we need to get. What is fair? And if it's a brother, and sometimes you step back and you go, you know what? I trust you, Lord. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but brother, no, no, you know what? God's got me. God's taking care of me. <sighs> this is tough. This is tough, guys, because he's a, he's a, Paul is asking us to be separate from the world, to be different. To walk with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, I mean, I mean, wow. As fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, Paul says, why do you not just accept a wrong? And why do you not just let things be? You see, the issue is suing, right? But let's just be honest. If we look at the text, that that kind of infiltrates every other area of our life, doesn't it? When it comes to husbands and wives, sometimes when you argue with your husband or you argue with your wife it's because you want to win the conversation and you will fight and you will go to bed mad and you will fight until you're right until somebody says, okay. But as believers, we should be like, look, even if I'm right, I don't want to win the con- I don't want to win the argument. I just, I just want to be in the right relationship with you. But pastor that's weird because she won't see where she's wrong. But that's not the point. The point is sometimes we take a step back and we go, you know what, I offer grace and forgiveness and it's not about arguing anymore. It's not about arguing. As believers, guys, we should be quick to say I'm sorry. As believers, we should be quick to say please forgive me. As believers, we should say, ready? This is hard. We, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date some of you, the younger kids in here. I don't know if they'll remember, but do you remember the Fonz, right? He could never say he was, ro-ro-ro-ro. he couldn't say he was wrong. Okay, he was, I was, I was that, that's a lot of us. You go, I was, ro-ro-ro. I can't say it. No, Christians go, you know what? I was wrong. Wait, the world kept moving, right? I mean, we, we can be wrong. It's okay. Why? Why, church? Because you have the Spirit of God in you and you love people. And you love your husband and you love your kids and, and you love, you love people. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus loved people. When, when we excommunicate somebody out the church, it's because we love them, not because we want them out there just floundering. We want them to be saved. Come back. Come back. God knows all about it. The moment you bow up and take your brother to court, you lose. We lose. What do we lose? We lose our testimony. We lose our love, right? The church... Not, I mean, get it? The church is looked down upon, and here's the one I hate: the devil is laughing. The devil is laughing. Catch this, guys! Catch this. the The second thing that Paul is dealing with, the Corinthian church had a misunderstanding of what the attitude of a Christian should be. What is our attitude should be, right? See, if we're followers of Jesus, remember, we need to imitate Jesus, his grace, his love, his peace, his compassion, his forgiveness. That's what he needs to do. Okay, here's the rub. Ready? Look at verse 8. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Listen, what is Paul saying? He says, all you're doing is providing more fuel for the wrong, more injustice. Bringing more hurt to the people of your own spiritual family. One commentator I read this week said, this is sin. When we set out to cheat and wrong a brother. When we set out to cheat, he goes, nobody really wins except the devil. The Corinthians who were going to court were disgracing the name of the Lord and the church just as much as the man who was guilty of incest and they needed to be disciplined. Don't do it. Rise above. Rise above. Oh, well, Pastor Ben, what if I, what if I leave here and I get in a fender bender and my right fender is, is, then get enough to fix the fender. Amen. We don't say, "Well, wow, fix the fender, and then I could get a whole new paint job, and and uh, man, I could take my wife to Hawaii. This will be a goal. I'm so glad you hit me, brother." Well, Pastor, you ready? Pastor, I'm not suing the brother. I'm suing his insurance. Really? What did Paul say? Paul said, "God will take care of that. God will take God will take care of you." God will take care of you. Our problem is we live in a world where we don't see it, this side of heaven. But God is taking care of us. God is taking care of us. Last night, I was sitting outside and I was, I was just praying a little bit and Waiting for the um, hamburgers to be done on the grill and the chicken, just 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 praying out there and. You know when the Lord knocks on your heart gently, you know. Oh God, I just I just need to hear from you, Lord. I just I'm just. And he said, Ben. How much did it cost at the grocery store? I said, Well, Lord, everything with I bought everything I bought, you know, with everything was thirty-one dollars. He said, you had that in your wallet, right? Uh, I said, yes, Lord. He said, I'll take care of you. Not once did you go, oh. He said, it was there. I, I got you. I got you. I was like, wow. Just the little things. Little things. How many of us stood in the shower today and said, thank you, Lord. I have a shower. I have a shower. I have warm water. Hopefully you have warm water. I hope you do. But we have a house, guys, and four walls, and it keeps the wind out. And Not everybody has that. We need to be so grateful. We need to be so grateful. Let's close. Guys, next week, woo, next week we dig into more issues within the church. Paul is going to warn them about their moral looseness in their hearts. But here's the bottom line for the church at Corinth, okay? Don't sue your family for fraudulent gain. Don't sue a brother. Now, for us, imagine a world where you and I fully trust the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to govern our affairs. To live so biblically in every area of our lives that we wouldn't give the world a second chance to scorn or laugh. Could you imagine? Imagine our world where we live in peace and harmony and when something happens, we trust the living God to work it out. And if we did have to sue for something, we would be super fair and not try to get any more. Wow, imagine that world. It was... uh, Wallace Hamilton, who wrote in his book, Thunder of the of Bare Feet, and he tells a story of a sheepman in India whose neighbor's dogs who were killing his sheep. Ordinarily in India, sheepmen usually counter the problem with lawsuits, or they'll do a barbed wire fence or even shotguns. But this man tried something different. He started giving lambs to his neighbor's children as pets, and in due time, When all his neighbors had their own small flocks, they actually began to tie up their dogs. And that was an end to their problem. We did something different. Here's my challenge. You ready? Here's my challenge. Starting today, let us grow in our trust for God. Call out to him and say, Lord, I believe in you. I trust in you. Govern my life, all of it. Lord, help me to pay my bills on time. Help me to be honest with people. Help me to walk in integrity. Help me to be generous with my money, for it all belongs to you. That's our challenge. That's what God wants us to look for. Proverbs 22 and 22 this week in our Bible reading said, Don't rob the poor just because you can, or exploit the needy in court. For the Lord is their defender And he will ruin anyone who ruins them. Great proverb to what Paul is saying. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, God, that this is very practical. I pray, Lord, that you do a work. So, Lord, we can love you and we can serve you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen
0: and amen.